up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Shooting the Shit. Uh, I'm your host, Sean Gregoire, back after an accidental week off, kind of. And we have a very special guest, uh, Chris Herring. He is a regular, contributes, reg- ah, regular uh, contributor to the 538, a friend of the Z- um, Low Post from Zach Low, and does all types of cool stuff, man. Chris, how are you? It's an honor for you to be here. Ah, you give me too much credit for that, but I appreciate you. And I'm uh, I'm doing really well. How are you guys? Hey, man. We're doing awesome. What's up, Pat? How are you, bro? What's going on, y'all? Uh, I'm good. Chris, nice to have you on the show. Uh, today was to be the first official day of varsity football games in the state of Arizona. Um, there are no games, but we're still doing football shit. So that's still going on tonight, and it's still going to take up our time. And um, we're just trying to move on like coronavirus does not exist. So what does uh, yeah, that well, mean when you say there's no games, but there's still football stuff going on, like practices and hoping or what? what do you oh, think? absolutely. Um, there, there's a parade for my son's football team tonight. Uh, there's still practices going on. Team picture day is tomorrow. They're handing out jerseys and there's 120 kids on the football team. And we're all going to be there to see this very special uh, uh event take place so yeah they might as well just have the game then (laughs) why not at that point there's no point well yeah we'll get started brad what what's our first thing i have a have a feeling the way it is but go ahead bro uh nba playoffs lakers are tied the series 1-1 uh looks like utah is about to finish off denver and you know a couple couple people just going up 2-1 or going up 2-0 Okay. Well, we I'll just start on actually the Denver Utah series is fascinating to me because I spent this entire year basically talking about how Utah has been terribly disappointing and this generally isn't very good. I thought that they kind of they underachieved when they um at the as Mike Conley he never really looked right and the whole thing with Donovan Mitchell and Gobert kind of deteriorating in front of everyone. And now this. So I'm pretty shocked. I have no idea how how far Utah is going to push someone in the second round, but I'm just really shocked that they came out like this. Uh, After Donovan went for 57 um, in the first game, I thought, okay, that's cool. They'll they'll be back to normal, the normal kind of mediocre bad team that I thought they were. And ever since then, they've scorched Denver. So another cool thing that I've been wrong about over the course of the season, the stupid (laughs) bubble. (laughs) <laughs> uh, Pat, what, what's been uh, what, what's 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 thought to you as far as the series goes? Um, you know, for for me, Donovan Mitchell is giving me those early Damian Lillard vibes. You know, when you knew he was a good player, but he was just in a place where nobody really wanted to watch him play basketball, and you know, there was Aldridge and then McCullum and. You're like, okay, maybe he's one or two players away and the team gets better and he gets better. Um, I kind of feel that way with Donovan Mitchell. Um, I think I put in the group chat that, you know, I might possibly see Utah making a move on Denver. Um, I'm not a – I can't speak to all things Denver Nuggets. I know – Michael Porter Jr. is a nice surprise, and he's come out like what everyone expected him to be. Um, no, I'm, I'm. Even if 
Utah loses the series. I'm really excited for what Donovan Mitchell is doing for Utah. Um, like I said, he's giving me those early Damian Lillard vibes where the team's not great, but he's great, and then you're going to expect him to be great enough to 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 be able to keep Utah in the playoff picture and maybe potentially play well enough to bring somebody else in or play well enough to get his ass up out of there. Um, yeah. But other than that, man, I, I'm – as far as playoffs on a whole, I'm not really impressed. I wasn't really expecting the greatest basketball product. I think we're all just really happy basketball is back. But you see these game swings. You have games, teams you didn't think were going to win, win, and then game two they come back and it's a 50-point game. So, it's... Yeah. so, so Chris, what have you had your eyes on during the playoffs? It doesn't necessarily have to be the Utah – the Utah series or anything like that, just one team that you've had your eye on kind of impressed or surprised you? No, no, no. I, I, I probably would start there just for the sake of the conversation. I mean, Denver's got to figure something out. It is a weird setup now. You know, normally this is around the time where we start to kind of look at the series and say, um, you know, a team might be in trouble if they're down 2-0, uh, particularly now, you know, if they lost their first two at home. Uh, or, you know, if they lost a game at home, then now they've got to play defense. We don't have that part of the conversation to focus on anymore. And so, you know, if you see a really problematic sort of trend in one of the first few games, it actually seems to mean more now because you don't get to just go home and play in front of your, your home crowd anymore. So that's why I think the Denver-Utah thing is really concerning for the Nuggets. Um, and with the Nuggets, you know, there are a couple things that stand out. One... Today was really concerning because, uh, I mean, Utah is not playing fully loaded. I mean, they don't have Bogdanovich, no. uh, which, you know, they weren't shooting particularly, particularly well in the bubble before the playoffs started because they were down some guys. You know, they're starting Clarkson. Uh, Conley had a baby, and so Conley was gone. Conley comes back, shoots the lights out. But my big Blame issue thrower. My, my biggest issue with Denver, they look soft as hell. And, uh, I mean, defensively, they just they don't look like they're trying half the time. Love Michael Porter Jr. and what he's able to do. But, I mean, he's not known for his defense. He stands straight up defensively. Uh, Jokic, we love what he can do as far as his passing ability, can score it. But, you know, he, he drops defensively. And so it, when someone like Donovan Mitchell is going off for damn near 60 in game one of the series – you can't really be dropping defensively when you're coming around on screens trying to defend the screen. That's what when you compare him to Dame, that's what we see with Dame is that if you step back defensively as the big coming up in that screen, he's going to torch you. And that's what Mitchell's been doing. And so my hunch going into the season was like Mitchell pretty much failed last offseason, which or, or last postseason, which you expect when someone's that young, they're still learning their way. Uh, Conley was supposed to come in and kind of take some of that burden off of him. Bogdanovich was probably meant to do the same thing to play as well as he was playing without those two and now to get Conley back and for Conley to, to shoot the way he did today. Denver's in real, real trouble. And I mean, it's, it, it could be a bad, bad sign for them that uh, this is a series that I didn't expect them to have this much trouble in. And I don't think anybody saw him losing by 40 today in game three. Yeah, that, that was that was pretty nuts. Uh, and, um, and another thing about Donovan, it's funny how he just came to the bubble just all of a sudden knowing how to read pick and rolls and manipulate people. Like, yeah. he just bought that with him in quarantine. Just the most random thing. That was, like, my one criticism of him. Like, he, you know, he just kind of normally doesn't have a plan, like, during the pick and roll. And now he's just kind of – that's whatever he wants. It, it's pretty insane. And now he has, you know, one of his main creators back. And 
Conley's essentially a standstill. You've seen that. Now, You've seen that with a lot of players, though. They return to the bubble, and the game is a lot tighter. As a team, it's not translating, though, because it's just a lot of bad team basketball being played. But individual players are showing up to the bubble and proving their their all-star talent. And I think that's pretty neat to, to speak to, you know, individuals' dedication to their craft because some guys took time off and, you know, recharged, didn't really work on the game. Guys like, you know... Gary Trent Jr. showed back up with the three-point shot. Um, the TJ Suns Warren, went to obviously. some hostel here in Phoenix and got what they got and <laughs> decided to go 8-0. Um, <laughs> so some guys just really cared about it on the break and some guys didn't. So And you see it training. But Donovan Mitchell's one of those guys where the game, he already was a you know a young budding star when he, when he showed up his rookie year. Last year, growing pains, and now he's back in the bubble and he's you know, showing you that he is an all-star. So, so I, I'm not going to – I've said enough about Toronto. I love them. I, I think they're really going to push in the East. The team I actually wanted to talk about with, was Houston because this bubble, uh, of all the teams in the bubble, I think this format and everything benefits them the most because they've committed to going super small. They said screw centers. We're, we're playing tuck at center. And I had real skepticism about it. When you have to go through two more months of games where Tuck is grinding against huge people and you have to go to playoffs where it only gets harder. And now you basically do that for a week and then it's just a month long burst. So I feel like their chances have gotten a lot better just due to the circumstances of being in the bubble. And I feel like OKC was kind of a bad matchup. Well, a good matchup for Houston, if only because. They generally run ISO, which is weird when you consider it's a Chris Paul team, but they run all ISO stuff. Like, they basically just let their guys cook, and, you know, they don't really move the ball around that much. And Houston has big dudes, not particularly tall, but super, like, they're big. Like, Harden's a, a tank. Gordon's a tank. Tuck's obviously a tank, and it's just really hard to just go through them one-on-one and – They've been rotating like crazy. They're just flying around like, you know, they haven't played basketball for four months. So I think this is going to benefit them a great deal, and they're going to give their second-round opponent, which I'm presuming is the Lakers because their their shooting woes have magically been cured, uh, um, a big run, a huge run that I think people like Bradley, who's shaking his head over there, are expecting. Oh, yeah. Um, so who else is caught you high in the play? I was just hoping Portland was – they gave a good matchup in the first game, but um, yeah, Lakers came out to play that second game. I'm just hoping Portland shows a little more fight as we continue, because uh, they look like they they can beat the Lakers, but nah, buddy. After that second game, I don't know. <laughs> they can beat them once, absolutely. <laughs> I don't know about four times though. <laughs> but yeah, so who else have you um I'm seeing the playoffs that impressed you, Pat? And um, I pick a team. I like the first round that uh, obviously this is going back some days. I like the fight that a lot of these first round teams showed. Obviously, Portland came out and they were the hottest team in the bubble until they got that ass cooled off last night. Um, Portland came out and, and took game one from the Lakers. Orlando came out and stole one. I don't think anybody was really prepared for that. No. Um, 
<laughs> I don't think anybody should care for that. Um, say what you want about the Clippers and the the Dallas series, but I don't think anyone uh... was prepared for the Clippers to look like they might have some trouble with Dallas in the first round. Um, it, it, but that's what I mean by, you know, we're just entertained because we were so sports deprived from, from March to, to July that we'll take anything now, but some of these, quick thing some of the these Clippers. games, <laughs> I saw on Twitter, what, what it, I saw on Twitter. And it was the perfect thing. Playoff P is Gatorade propaganda. Oh, man. I'll take it. I'll take it. Yeah, it's playoff P activated, man. It's, and this it's a bunch of other dudes that are having issues in in the in the bubble right now with consistency. Um, like, like I mean, oh yeah. I mean, if you want to throw him in there, I was I was I wasn't even gonna lead off with Bron. I was gonna say uh, Caldwell Pope's first game stat stat line was not. Um, NBA talent worthy, but Danny Green um, too. That, yeah. But that's to be expected when you're playing in a. I want to say this is more AAU style tournament where pretty much anything can go. Um, as as Chris said earlier, there is no oh we're gonna get it back at home or you know we're gonna feed off the energy. It's just straight up basketball, and sometimes guys show up to play, sometimes they don't, and you you see it clearly. Um, I don't, I don't know if Bron's not showing up to play, but I know that the other guys showed up more than he did. So um, that that's really my takeaway. I'm not really surprised by any of this because I think we even called the Blazers taking game one. Uh, Kevin and I did last week. I think they might steal one more game. Um, my do- my thought is that they take game one and then drop the next three and then win an elimination game and then the Lakers finish them up in game six. But... Um, yeah, no, I'm just really enjoying watching all these Bucks fans squirm after Game One. All the, <laughs> all the, all the, the preemptive favorite fans squirm, and you know, that's where that's what y'all are obviously better basketball minds than me. I can't wait to get to this football stuff, but that's just where I'm at as a casual <laughs> fan, watching fans of the favorites squirm because their teams didn't show up the way they thought they show up in Game One. Uh, so Chris, what about you? Like, what what's um what team have you got in mind that's like really surprised you or impressed you or whatnot? Well, there's a couple. Um, I mean, it, the same way that we kind of said at the top with Utah and Denver. I mean, the the Clippers map series has been the same way. Where you know, if it wasn't for Porzingis getting ejected in Game One, you know, we could be talking about that series a lot differently right now. They don't really have an answer for for Luca. Uh, it. it it's one of those things where, you know, little injuries here and there kind of seem more important at times. Uh, somebody like Beverly being hurt. I, Beverly strikes me as someone where I'm not completely sure he would be able to guard Luca all that well at full strength anyway, but certainly with his injury and everything. And, and it's always really telling to me when somebody plays in one game and then they don't play in the next, but they've had the injury all along and it's kind of been a nagging yeah. thing. And when Bev wasn't ready to go for the next one after just watching him get bullied in the first one and the foul trouble, you know, and he played, he played awful. Like even offensively, like bad shots, he missed a couple free throws. Um, It just, he just didn't look right. And, And so there was something to that, but then the next game, they really didn't have any answer. You know, he didn't defend Luca well in game one, but then 
the next game. That it, that very easily could be, you know, Dallas could be in the driver's seat for that series, you know, if it hadn't been for game one. So there's that. You look at the idea of, I'm trying to think, what else? Um, the OKC Houston series, which I think I was kind of most interested in going into the playoffs. Uh, man, like Chris Paul, we're seeing, he was someone yeah. that, didn't have to play really long minutes in the regular season. They kind of used him at the beginning of games and then leaned on him really heavily at the end of games. Uh, and I think part of that is that he doesn't have the same burst anymore. You look at the advanced numbers that I pay so much attention to. He's always been one of the best one-on-one players in the league. He hasn't really been able to get by defenders in the last couple years very well. It's obviously a big difference between he and Russ, despite the fact that he turns it over a lot less than Russ does. That was kind of going to be the trade-off all along here. And the question of whether Chris could stay healthy uh, it makes a really big difference in a series like this where you've got a lot of talent on OKC's roster. But again, when you're talking about the Rockets, we wrote a story at 538 where we won't call them a small ball team. We call them a short ball team because they're not, they're not small. They're actually very yeah. big physically. They're just they're short. Um, and so that's the difference. And so when you look at somebody like a Steven Adams who's not going to back you down and post you up all game long and kill you in the post, uh, it doesn't leave OKC with like a whole, whole lot of offense outside no. of anything, especially when Chris Paul can't really break guys down and you're asking him to play 35 or 40 minutes a game instead of 25 or 30, which is what he was doing at the beginning of the season. So that has been a more lopsided series than I expected it to be, particularly when you factor in the idea that like Russ was out and they're able to play that way with Russ being out. It, it scares me a little bit for OKC. and I thought they would put up a better series and a better fight than what they have so far. So that's kind of what stands out to me so far. This is my dream. All right, anyway, all right, we, we can talk <laughs> playoffs for the next hour and a half, but we, we have to move on to other things. So, Brad, go ahead with the next topic. But, God, this is my dream. I love this so much. <laughs> I'm sorry, Pat. <laughs> Charlotte Hornets uh, play-by-play announcer. He was con- <laughs> <laughs> He was attempting to comment on the Nuggets game a couple of days ago and um, apparently didn't read his tweet before he sent it out. I don't know if it was autocorrect or if he accidentally mistaken typed it. I will give, I will say this, the, the uh, letters are kind of close together. Eye. You're not looking. Yeah, you're, you're not, not looking. The right theoretically. <laughs> okay, so. All right, so. Oh, yeah, the, one clarification. He tweeted out the N-word instead of Nuggets. Yeah, yeah. So, all right. So one thing, if if he if he called them the niggets, I I think we'd have more of a more of a plausible deniability. But I feel like if your phone just all corrects to that word, super casual, then I have very little sympathy for it's. There's a big difference between you know just like. Oh, all correct. You can't do that with all correct. I've tried typing in that word just for the hell of it, and it doesn't work. Like, it, it all corrects out of it, it just says anything not to say that word. You gotta be <laughs> so wild the fact to, that... to have an autocorrect into a swear word or into a slur. I mean, think about how many times you have to type that. Why would iPhones autocorrect some shit into a slur? Like, do you realize how bad that has to be? It's wild, dog. Like, I tried really hard. I, I, I sat there with my phone for a good five minutes just kind of playing around, trying to see what I could type in 
then it would autocorrect to that. It Listen, never happened. Is someone who types the word nigga on his phone quite heavily, <laughs> I can assure you that there's no confusion. There is no confusion. You thought you were going to slide it in there. You thought you was going to be slick and be like, oh, I got hat. Oh, it autocorrect. Nah, man. My 15-year-old son can't even get by with that. Furthermore, you're the Charlotte Hornets play-by-play. Your season's done. Wrap it up. Go on vacation. Don't be on the internet. Where? Why are you doing this? There's 16 other teams, 32, 30 other people employed by these teams that can do this job. That They got it covered. We don't need the, Har- the, the Charlotte Hornets uh, uh, insight on what's going on in the bubble. Worry about convincing Jordan not to take a power forward with the third pick. Right. Worry about convincing Jordan not to take the ACC player of the year with that third pick. Just focus on that. You don't need to talk about the bubble. Other people got that covered. Uh, I wonder how his phone, how he reacted when he saw the notifications pop up on his phone. Like, like uh, he must have looked like, wow, a notifications. I ain't typed nothing that answers. Like, oh, okay, <laughs> delete, 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 and, and draft the apology. <laughs> and do you want to go into the, the Reds, the Reds announcer now, or do you want to say, yes, yes, what's so wild about all, all this right. before we even get into that? Because I, I was tweeting to someone about this, and like, it's I mean, it's not funny. It, it, it's it's funny for the standpoint of like, damn, you're you're you really gonna lean on the autocorrect excuse? But here's the thing, and it, I'm sure it did autocorrect it, but it autocorrected it because it's been typed before. Um, <laughs> what <laughs> what makes me really angry about this, I guess, on a more serious note, is I helped uh, my friend Mark Spears, who who writes for the Undefeated, writes with me at ESPN. Um, he had wanted to do something kind of in in the aftermath of George Floyd. And, you know, as let's be honest, like as all these companies are bending over backwards to say, how can we become more diverse? How can we be more accepting? I think now that it's it's basically seen as like corporations realize like it's okay to actually say Black Lives Matter without it being a controversial thing. A lot of them do, maybe not all of them. And, And they're trying to play into that. They might see it as marketable now for the first time. So as they say that, you know, Mark Spears comes up with the idea, um, he wants to put a, a spotlight on the idea of how few black play-by-play announcers there are in the NBA and, um, you know, and in the league and in basketball generally. And, you know, a lot of people, when he, I think he put that question out or he, he put out that complaint on Twitter and people were like, well, there's Chris Webber and there's Reggie Miller and there's this person and there's Greg Anthony. He's like, those are not play-by-play announcers. Those are color analysts. Mm-hmm. Those are also former players. So it's not, you know, like how many people... Most of the people that you've got on there, Mike Breen and people like that, these are people that are like classically trained. They went to school for it to go to school for broadcasting. We ain't got really any in, in the NBA that are black, that are just play by play. They're, they're the main voice that you hear, um, you know, not Clyde Frazier, but Mike Breen types. And so he wanted to write a story about that. And he said, Chris, you know, you work with numbers. You do all this analysis work. Would you be interested in helping me with it and kind of doing the legwork to figure out how many there are exactly? So I said, you know, I can do that. It took me like an afternoon to do it. I went through all the teams and not just all the teams, but went through and looked at how long they've been employed by their teams. And when I went through it, there were, you know, there are obviously 30 NBA teams. There was one uh, play-by-play announcer, television play-by-play announcer, who is black. And it's actually for the Hornets. Uh, Eric Collins, I think, is the guy. 
one. And this guy that got in trouble was a play-by-play announcer, I think, for radio for the Hornets. So there's only one. Um, and then when you broke it down, and, and the, the thing that made me most upset is, like, I think more than a fifth of the guys had been in the job as play-by-play announcers for their teams for more than 30 years. And, you know, you look at that, and then you look at the radio side. It's essentially the same thing. I think you have two that are – people of color that are play-by-play announcers. You've got two people of color uh, play-by-play announcers on TV. The Bulls just hired someone who's Pakistani. And then on radio, it's basically the exact same thing. You've got one woman that serves as a play-by-play announcer for the G League team, a black woman, and she's Canadian. So it's like, it's bad from that standpoint. Baseball, I'm sure, is just as bad, if not worse. And you have, and think about it, you have this guy, Tom Brenneman now is gonna get in trouble, clearly. Uh, you have the dude from the Hornets who's going to get in trouble, clearly. And I think about the fact that you just had somebody fired from the Kings because he wanted to be cute and tweet All Lives Matter in the midst of all this George Floyd stuff because DeMarcus Cousins baited him, and he knew he would say that. So you had more people suspended or fired from these jobs who were white than you have people in these roles that are black. It's incredible. It, it, you've had more people in the last two months that have been fired or suspended for this stuff then you have people that are black. So it, it, it's funny. It, it, this, this one thing is legitimately funny and kind of sad, but it also pisses me off because it's like, th- this is part of the problem. And for people that do this stuff behind the scenes, they use this language behind the scenes, it's a blessing that it comes to light, but it's also really sad because these people hold down these jobs for decades at a time. Decades, 30 years. Most of these right. guys have these jobs for 20, 30 years. I think and that's one of those lifeline media uh, jobs because, you know, and other other media positions like reporters or whatnot, they come and go. You got two year contract, three year contracts, but announcer jobs and play by play and and those jobs, those are like lifelong jobs you re, you will retire from. And it is like you said that one you have one black play by play person, but you have nothing's changed in that world. Like you have, we have the first black person in this, or we have five or ten black people in this position, but that's kind of like the one area where it's kind of the old guard is not letting go. Yeah, it's it's wild because um yeah, they picked their successor, and who you think they're gonna pick? You know, someone that looks like them, and like it, we'll see if the if the Hornets play by play guy like gets to groom more like in his mold, but it's. That's an epidemic, and it's something that has obviously been a problem just with non-players getting jobs that where you're able to talk about the league just in general, and I don't see it ending anytime soon without a ton of change, a ton of change. So um, with that said, can you please play the, the res announcer's apology? Please, 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 please. <laughs> you want to you want to play both of them? The first one you nope. want to play what he said? No, nope. just I, the I, apology. I, just the apology. That apology is for the ages, man. Uh, here, here we go, right here. Here, here it goes, right here. All right, let me get this up. I pride myself and think of myself as a a man of faith. As there's a drive in a deep left field by Castellanos, it will be a home run. <laughs> And so that'll make it a 4 nothing ball game. I don't know if I'm going to be putting on this headset again. I don't know if it's going to be for my bosses at Fox. I'm going to apologize for the people. I've heard this. 
that was the that was the most professional apology that didn't even apologize to the people you offended I've ever heard in my life. That was incredible. That was incredible. started off uh, apparently, I said something that went over here. What? Nah, <laughs> buddy. You, you, you did. <laughs> you did. The whole thing oh was so God. bad. The whole thing was so bad. And the fact that it was interrupted by a home run was like, <laughs> I, I swear, it's like an all-time crazy moment for that to happen, him to have to interrupt his apology by, by announcing a, a home run that made the score four to nothing. Um, I, I had a lot of problems with this, and I, I tweeted about it the night that it happened. I'm really tired of people doing something blatantly foul, bigoted, evil, awful, horrific, and then following it up by saying, that's not who I am. That moment wasn't who I am. Motherfucker, we heard you 12 minutes ago. And, and here was the thing, too, like not to make, you know, as we're talking about things that aren't funny. My friend Joel Anderson tweeted this. I thought it was hilarious. He said, yo, why was it when he dropped that hard F, though, that he said it in his announcer voice? <laughs> he did. <laughs> like, he sounded extremely like mad, but extremely professional at the same time when he said it. He was like, oh. Uh, but he sounded exactly the same. Like, he sounded like Tom Brenneman when he said that, too. But it's like, we just heard you drop that, like, pretty nonchalantly. Uh, you know, who knows why you were even talking about anything like that during the commercial break, but you said, it, this is what you said privately, what you thought you were saying privately, that, the private moments showcase who you are better than a public moment where you know the world is watching or listening. So I didn't really have a whole lot of, like, to say 15 minutes later when you know that you're in trouble and when you start your apology more or less by saying, like, to the people that signed my paycheck at Fox, I mean, that's not who you should be apologizing to. and. Granted, he did apologize to the LGBT community, but I mean, okay, but like you, I don't know. I'm not going to take much from that. It was because you got caught. We weren't going to hear about it if it wasn't Listen, Chris, caught on a he, mic. He apologized in the hierarchy of who was most important to him at that particular yes. point in time. Exactly. <laughs> he mentioned two or three good times. Yeah, that was a real time reaction of, I just fucked my money up. Let me apologize to who's most important first. <laughs> then I'll get to him. Right now, hey, boss, you know, hey, you oh. know, you know how we talk when we talk. We, we... Oh, <laughs> and and did so you, you hear that part at the end, too, where he said, you know, and I would hope that some people could back that up, like, to have his back. It's like, that's the shit we've been seeing with Ellen for, like, the last <laughs> Jay Leno and, and people like that coming out the woodworks. Like, no, these are... People, this is what this is what pisses me off on Twitter when people drop the hard R with you know with the word when they're talking about us or anything else when they when they call the police on us for standing outside minding our own damn business or whatever else and then people out the woodworks come that's okay like it, you know everybody has a bad moment no white person you don't get to accept an apology on my behalf like I'm not wading into this issue of whether he needs to be fired. In place of gay people, in, in place of queer people, that's not my place to do that. And so, for people, I'm sure he wants people to back him up and say he's not a bad dude. 
we heard you. Like it's it's essentially the Maasai thing with the cops. We saw that. We saw what happened. <laughs> you don't get to ask us to rely on what to not pay attention to what lawyers are saying. Motherfucker, we saw the video. So I, I'm just very tired of people hoping that things will vouch and get them out of trouble. Don't get in trouble in the first place with this really awful shit that you're doing. And we you don't have to worry about it. Period. So hey, we'll get so to quick question. just a second, but how do you think it went with the producers and directors when that happened and they realized it went over the air? Oh, they, everybody oh, just got, got I, quiet, phones started ringing. <laughs> I, I bet they were just like, they just just go off the air, did it? And then like, oh my God, we got to do something now, now, now. And where'd they find a backup announcer during quarantine? Like, there wasn't not anyone in the stadium except for the backup just in case my man let something like that slip. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, they, they must have knew how he got down for a long time. And, and they just and, had someone like, the case. In all fairness, we need you we need you here for backup. It, it's baseball, really. So all 17 of the viewers who heard it were initially appalled, right? And then... um. <laughs> You know what's wild? Saying, like, let's be what's... realistic. NBA playoffs are on, right? And there's a large contingency of people that. What does anybody have any ratings numbers? Like we don't have a stats and info department that can fact check this. But does anybody have a ratings? How many people are actually watching these baseball games now that they're actually going on? Gamblers. Yeah, I, I, th- I think they've held pretty flat. I know Outkick, the, the Jason Whitlock shit right now. They're on top of the NBA, like. Because they, you know, it's all they're paying attention to. So they're pointing out the numbers are down in the NBA. It's like, yeah, the NBA is playing their games at like 11.30 in the morning so that they can show Bron and everybody else in primetime without having their games compete against each other. So I don't really make much of that. But what's really interesting that I hadn't thought about, I just wrote about this the other day, was Carmelo, kind of a lighthearted story about how he, you know, how he's got the networks under pressure with regards to um, muting his swearing on the court when he grabs rebounds and stuff like that. How is it that, like, with how on it these networks have been with that, with no fans out there and, you know, nothing to cover up all the noise on the field and on the court, how is it that they didn't hit the dump button on my man? Uh, it almost feels like leaving a trap door for somebody so they could fall through it and how they had the backup announcer <laughs> just at the ready. Somebody didn't like Tom Brenneman, so they got him out of there. <laughs> we'll say, uh, I, produce, I help produce a four-hour morning show. We have button there for swear words and stuff. One for video, one for audio. So either, I don't know if everybody has that because my previous station didn't. So if they have it, it's either the producer didn't care, didn't hear, or he didn't like Tom Friedman. He was watching baseball. <laughs> Nobody cares. He was doing something else. He wasn't watching the game. His little kid was doing a TikTok, and he was watching that while the game was going on. He wasn't watching. He let his man, he, he set his man up. <laughs> All right, yeah. So let let's go into um let's go to into Masai and this hilariously disappointing story. Oh. Is it though? So, Is yes, it? Yes. Yes. Uh, they ruined Masai's moment, man. I, I I watched this video right, and after the altercation happens, Larry comes and gets him. Like, hey, we're over here. We're over here. And you see his face like, did that just happen? And it's not, and it's not, you know, did we just win the title? Then, like currently having like the apex of my professional life, 
It's I have to deal with this shit even now for no reason. And it just it just ruins him. Like I bet like he had to think back of that night with pain because some fuck wanted to have power in Oracle. Like it's it's so it, it was tremendously disappointing to me, man. Like like the whole deal. And now of course I believe Masai the whole time, but the fact that the video confirmed it and and uh, the police department, their lawyers had the nerve to say, oh, we're sticking by a story despite what video says. It, 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 it was just like that, that one hit me hard for some reason, man, because I, I can't imagine just someone stepping in and just ruining my moment arbitrarily like that. It's, it was pretty unbelievable. Uh, Pat? For me, I'm not disappointed because I've never been a denier of these type of incidences with uh, African-American people. For me, um, I guess if you're looking at it from a personal standpoint with Masai and, and his ruining of the moment, if the uh, the Raptors ever find themselves in a, a championship situation ever again, is that something that crosses his mind? Um, obviously, yes. But for me, it's, it, it's not vindication. Nobody's vindicated by this. Everyone's still a victim. Um, this just lends voice to a lot of the interactions that regular non-successful African Americans will define success really but this is this is just another opportunity for us to say hey these things happen and it doesn't matter how important you think you are how successful you are how uh how prominent your position in any organization is if you're the wrong, if you're the right black guy and you run up against the wrong white guy, white cop at any given point in time, you can have a negative experience. Your your success doesn't preclude you from that. So for me, it's it's a learning opportunity for everyone to say, hey, you know, you can be doing everything right. Because in the video, I think everyone is clear that you see Masai reaching into his his coat pocket to pull out his credentials before he even gets a chance to. So his credentials, he's treated like he's selling dime bags. And, yeah. and to me, that to me, you know, the entire interaction was par for the course. I guess if I wanted to be disappointed in anything, it's that the Alameda County Sheriff's Department is still sticking by their story, even when the video evidence is in their face. Because how brazen do you have to be? Like this is now a, a a robbery with no mask at this point. And, and you're still brazen enough to say, oh, we didn't do it. So if you're going to do that with Masai Ujiri, the NBA, and the uh, and what's the other sports entity? MSRE, that's that's wrapped up in this. Um, what is your Sheriff's County Department going to do with everyone else that doesn't have the backing of the NBA or a large... Oh, like Oakland? Way preside over? Like Oakland? Yes. Yeah, so you can imagine. And and not to connect the two because obviously I'm very happy uh, with the direction the country's going with social justice. But this did happen in San Francisco, and our current uh, vice presidential nominee was once the DA of San Francisco. And we like to think that there is some type of um, culture that is created by um, people of power in those positions. And and um, this doesn't help anyone in law enforcement at all this doesn't help anyone that wants to consider themselves a police apologist and if you're upset 
don't be upset at Maasai or anyone else bringing the social justice standpoint to it. Be upset at the police officers for not holding themselves to a higher standard. Bingo. Or to any standard, really. Bingo. Exactly. Yeah, go ahead, Chris. I mean, that, that's, that last point is what I would hone in on, because this has really actually bothered the crap out of me. I was there, you know, that night, and I remember writing my story about the Raptors winning and just trying to write a story, but being bothered by that, you know, as I'm sitting there trying to write and seeing the tweet come across that, you know, that Masai had a run-in and that Masai's being accused of having done something. And I don't know the man personally, you know, but I, I, I certainly know the reputation he has around the league. I know that, you know, it, it, it goes without saying that um, black people kind of already feel a, a kinship toward each other in terms of wanting to not believe the worst when they're accused of something, particularly when it's something where it's kind of, you know, their side against, uh, you know, the police or what have you and stuff like that. Um, but what really bothers me now is what bothers me about the police in general is that, um, look, so much of the time, you know, as someone that's in the media, when something happens, a shooting, a police-involved shooting, anything, it is the cop's word that is like, it, you know, the same way we've always expected the president and people in those positions to tell the truth when they're talking to the media and they're relaying things to the media. It's an expectation. Um, and so then when you have something like this where it's a brazen-ass lie um, and you won't back down off of it and you let this go on for more than a year where you had this man's back and you let him sue and you let him do all these other things. And I mean, I don't know, no one's really asked this question definitively. I don't really know what it is about the process that the video just came out now. I mean, this should have been nipped in the bud so long ago and they yeah. should have pulled the rug out from under the dude who did this to him. And instead of doing that, they doubled down, you know, and, and to my knowledge, you know, is he still in the force or whatever? But this is my problem with so many things here in Chicago. Laquan McDonald, that they sit on that video and just hope it never sees the light of day. And, you know, everything else, the police unions, they, they back police seemingly no matter what they do. It's just their job to do it. And so with, with all this stuff, and then want to act like, why, why do black people not like us? Why do they not trust us? And then literally this week, you had the New York City Police Union um, announce for the first time in their history that, they're, you know, that who they're backing, that they're endorsing a presidential candidate. They're backing Trump. And it's not surprising, Shock. but it's like when you do stuff oh, like that gosh. and when you can't admit when you're wrong, how do you expect people to have a trust in you? And, and I don't know if you saw this story. This was a crazy one. And the New York Post, did, I think the New York City police were conducting, they were paying to have a survey done on like the city and the residents' trust level and black residents' trust level and, and, and the police force. And the results that they were getting, the preliminary results were so low that they pulled the plug on the, the survey. It was like millions of dollars they're paying for the survey, and they're like, these numbers can't be right. They threw it out. So yeah. that's where, but stuff like this feeds into that, where it's like, you have stuff like this, where it would be so easy, where you, not all cops are bad, not all cops are bad. Well, you've got a golden opportunity here to call out one of your own, and you won't do it. Yeah. And you have golden opportunities to do it with Derek Chavon and all these other people with the Minnesota stuff, and you won't do it. And, and, and so it builds up and it builds up. And when you never take the opportunity to call out the bad cops, I, I'm not someone that runs around saying all cops are bad. But, I mean, I, I understand where people are coming from when they say you're complicit in something when you won't call it out when it happens. And when it's clear as day like this was with Messiah. I don't yeah. know if I can speak for y'all, 
but I can speak for myself and maybe others who watch the podcast that have had union jobs. You go into a union job thinking, oh, they're going to have my back and they're going to protect me and I might be bulletproof. There ain't no union is bulletproof as that police union. I've been fired from UPS jobs for <laughs> putting the damn wrong coffee in the damn coffee pot. <laughs> what do you gotta do to be fired as a police officer like outright fired like not a process or anything like what do you like I wish that you got to my deal with someone's sex for 8 minutes and, 40, and 46 seconds on camera that's Listen, how you get fired outright I have been fired from jobs from clocking in to work too early <laughs> <laughs> I, I just want some Man, shut up. Like police union rides for these murderous Klansmen killers and these lying officers. Because they don't ride for they don't ride for the good the good cops like this. The good cops get up out of there like this. They get them out of there, you don't hear any story about it. They move. But if you murder somebody, if you lie and have insurance fraud against you, you get protected. I need that type of support in my life. And I'm about to go have a conversation with the woman of my life about this type of support. We're going to model our relationship after that model because that shit works. Whatever we're currently doing here does not Bad work. marriage for life. <laughs> I need that entanglement in my life. But that's the craziest part to me. He was what? Found guilty insurance fraud in 94. Pleaded no contest in 05. How is he an officer? You can't have a record and be an officer. Your character shot. Listen, I, I got traffic tickets. I don't even get asked to be on jury duty. I never once been asked to be a part of a jury. I'm a criminal. You understand? This dude is a police officer. <laughs> <laughs> and the wild part about the cop is that I believe he was on he was on administrative leave this whole time, so they paid him his full salary. While he was chilling at home, and he's not he been to work since the finals. He, he feel no shame about this. He's just been chilling out, probably traveling, spending the hell of time with his family, saying racist stuff on Facebook and anonymous groups. No, just, just doing his thing, and he ain't feeling else's shame about basically stealing money from his job. Be well before the pandemic started. I and mean, it, it's, in all fairness. I'm not gonna knock him for that because you know, I'm not. Uh, <laughs> I'm not the most morally sound individual. So if you're gonna get extra money from your employer, by all means, go for it. You know, what I'm not gonna knock you. That, I got though. people that I know who dabble and what's good for the goose is good for the gander. But if you get caught, you gotta take that L, man. And the video came out. Tell your folks, shut up. Take the L. Go on about your business. You know what's so trash about all this, though, is that, I mean, and people forget this. I mean, the city's going to get sued over that. And guess where that money comes from? I mean, that's taxpayer money. And it's it's, it's so garbage that, like, we just, it, it costs the cities so much money in legal fees and, and, and all these funds and stuff like that to protect people. And, and like, there, there's been so much good work on this. Wesley Lowry, uh, who worked at the Washington Post, um, you know, they won Pulitzers behind a lot of this stuff. Tracking, finally finding a way in like a database to track police uh, brutality and police shootings. And basically what they found is that people that have engaged, basically cops that have killed one person 
have killed people before or that they, these are the people that have been complained about the most before, mm -hmm. but there, it takes so much to pull them off the force or there's this like huge unwillingness to do that, that they then put you in that position repeatedly. And it's something that could have been prevented, but isn't prevented because it, they, it, it's so difficult to get these guys out of the paint. And it, it, it costs the city so much money and it costs the politicians so many headaches uh, and they just won't do it. it it's, it's crazy how much collateral damage this stuff causes by not just taking the problematic people off the force. And we would have a much safer police force and a much more accountable police force if people were willing to do it. If the unions were willing to do it, where you could, you know, you could cut off something before it becomes rotten all the way through, and they just won't do it. It's insane. Yeah, so um, I guess on that note, uh, we'll, we'll end the show. Uh, I have a little bit of basketball to watch. Uh, it looks like Boston hasn't quite put away Philly yet. Uh, middle of the second quarter, they're only up one on Philly. So Philly has not caved yet. Uh, get, give it a half. Uh, I think it'd be tired of this shit. No, he's, he's ready for Brent Brown to go. He's ready for Ben to get back. And, and what a... That ended poorly, didn't it? But, um, but yeah, so um, Chris, have anything to plug? Anything to say before we roll out? Not at all, man. I just appreciate you guys having me on. Uh, it's a pleasure to join you. I'm a fan of what you guys are trying to do and um, and look forward to watching in the future. Awesome. Thank yeah, we you. have Thank to get a one-on-one. Yeah, um, we have to get like a one-on-one -on -one interview. I'm not going to put you on the spot now. We'll do that <laughs> um, at your own time. But, but yeah, we, we have to get the interview, man. That, that'll be a, a pleasure of mine. Pat, you got anything, bro? No, just uh, much appreciation to Chris. Love having successful... Uh, young black individuals uh, in close proximity to model after uh, fan of your work deal, once I uh, understood who you were uh, will continue to follow you and wish you much success navigating the fields that um, seemingly a select few have been chosen to navigate and you got our full support anything you need from us by way of anything man please feel free to use us hopefully the platform grows and you can feel that uh you can use us for that in the future as well, man. Appreciate, Appreciate you. you. Thank you so much. Yeah. Appreciate you. Yeah. Brad? I've got nothing to plug. I want to thank Chris for coming on. I did have one quick question for everybody real quick. You think the Warriors going to trade that number two pick or keep it? You can say trade or keep. I don't, I don't know what they're getting for it. and like who. They, I think they'd have to package it with something, but I don't know who they're going to. It's not the strongest draft. Like, we don't even know who the top pick is. Right. I just don't know what it's going to yield. I think they might, but I don't know what it yields. I Trade. think they keep it. They, keep, they, 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 get, they get wise men, and they just basically go from there. They run it. I think they're hunting for rank, so. What about you, Brad? Brad? Oh, my bad. Yeah, I think he don't that, care. He's ready for Jordan no. to pick mellow ball. He's ready for the mellow ball. I think they'll uh, I think they'll trade it if they can get the right offer and the right package together for somebody. I think they'll trade it. All right. Well, all right. Well, for for Pat, for Brad, for our esteemed guest Chris Herring, I'm Sean Gregoire. Uh we'll see you guys next week and we are out. Shooting the ship. Go on. Peace.